Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. This is the podcast where I sit down with a friend, watch an episode of The Facts of Life, and then gab about it like gabbing is going out of style. My name is David Almeida. I'm an actor and compulsive talker in Orlando, Florida. My guests are actors and artists from all over Central Florida, and I'm really happy I get to spend time with them. And I'm really happy that you care to spend time with all of us. And uh, thank you again for listening and for tuning in. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a festive Kwanzaa, whatever non-denominational, gender-fluid, free-range, politically sensitive holiday (laughs) that you choose to celebrate. And uh, this should be dropping right after the new year. So as we begin 2019, I wish you a Happy New Year, and I'm looking forward to more guests, more shows, more fun. I'm still trying to figure out what to do in August. That's when the Facts of Life turns, if you can believe it, 40 years old. Oi, I'm getting old. But I'll figure out something, hopefully, between now and then. Uh, Let's move on. My guest this week is Megan Maroney. From the first minute I decided to do this podcast, I have wanted her to be a guest, and I wanted her to see this episode and watch it with me. And that will become apparent very, very quickly. Megan is one of those actresses who is always working, always got something going on, always hustling. If she's not in one of the theme parks, she's in one of the regional theaters. She has been on the Broadway stage. She was recently in a TV movie. She's just, she has got it going on. But more important than all of those accomplishments, Megan Maroney holds the distinction of being the first female guest on the Let's Face the Facts podcast. Yes, it was brought to my attention that in nine episodes, I've had nine male guests. I totally was aware of that. It was just a scheduling issue. I promise you, Megan is the first of many more amazingly funny, talented women that I know who I'm going to have on the show. I actually cannot wait for you to meet them. But As I said before, it was just simply a matter of scheduling. There is nothing else going on there, I I assure you. Um, The episode we watched was season one, episode 10, called Adoption. And it was first aired on April 25th, 1980. A lot more fun revelations and personal stories to be told here. So let's just jump on in. This is me with Megan Maroney. Hello, Megan Maroney. Why, hello there, David. How are you today? I am fantastic. <laughs> We're using our radio voices. Yes, I like hello. Mm. We just watched season one, episode 10, which I have been saving <laughs> for you. I The few comments you made during the show were already <laughs> priceless, and we're going to get Perfect. into this a little bit more. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I know I was aware of you. And had seen some stuff that you had done before I worked at Sleuths. I remember I was very excited that I was able to get to work with you at Sleuths. So I had some knowledge of you beforehand. And I'm still like that today, by the way. <laughs> it is still a thrill when I get to perform with you. And I'm so happy 
on rare occasion, it does still happen. <laughs> we do occasionally cross over. I, yeah. I I don't know who this Megan Maroney is that everybody thinks I am, but she is really cool. And she I, is. Hope, <laughs> I hope I meet her someday because <laughs> her reputation is stellar, but it is not the one of me I have in my head. So, oh. <laughs> But that is fascinating because you are one of the actresses in town who you do have a reputation because you work so much in so many different arenas and you are known and you you are very talented, you are very professional, and you're very fun to work with offstage in addition to on. I will I will say thank you because I am made uncomfortable by compliments. Uh, other people have sat in that chair and Mark Baratelli. Mark Baratelli was oh God, like, he's he wanted to come out of his skin when I was telling him what a success he was. And I'm like, this isn't my opinion. This is, mm. this is kind of empirical knowledge. A quick, quick, quick mind on that one. God, yes. he's funny. So the first thing I like to do with my guests is ask them to, in just two or three sentences, or maybe two sentences, synopsize <laughs> the the work of art that we just witnessed. Like if it were a TV huh. guide entry or something, how would you synopsize oh, it? Oh, synopsize it. Uh, a crisis hits Eastman's school <laughs> when the girls realize that Natalie has been cursed... <laughs> By being adopted. <laughs> like that, she's caught the disease. Like yeah, like it's something catching. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And now everything they knew about her was a lie. <laughs> beautiful. That is correct. <laughs> you gave the correct answer. Uh, yes. Beautiful. And uh, before we get into actually starting to synopsize, I always like to ask my guests to um, contextualize the show. Did you grow up? We are, we are the same age. We'll be getting into that. Um, <laughs> 20, did you, 20, <laughs> 25. Uh, but did you watch the show growing up as I did? Um, I know for a fact that I had, I had to have seen episodes. Um, Watching this first season, I must not have seen the first season because I don't remember this Nancy, Sue Ann, Cindy thing. <laughs> yes. I remember like the core five girls yeah. um, and and Joe. So clearly I must have watched episodes that were later. Yeah, just season two is but, where Joe comes oh, in. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then that must have been when I watched an episode or two. But full disclaimer, I did not watch this show on any sort of regular basis. Not even in reruns. Not even in re... You know what? Reruns might have been when I watched it, Yeah, actually. I, I, I have no strong emotional tether to this show okay. in any way, shape, Good. or form. But because my brain absorbs detritus, <laughs> I, I <laughs> pop culturally, I know way more about it then I should because yeah. I didn't watch it. Yeah. But somehow I have seen enough snippets or context clues. I, I seem to know more about it than I have any right to because I did not watch it. And I would have been the target demographic. Exactly. I was their age. Yeah. We are just a yeah. hair. We are barely a year older than Tootie. Right. And she is the youngest. And so, I mean, it. I should have been... Like, number one with a bullet yeah, as you, to who was watching this thing, and yeah. I was not. Yeah, Matthew Arter and I were glued to our TVs, but... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know the overlap of of years and, and dates. That would be a Wikipedia entry for another time. But I was busy watching, um, and I realize this is the 70s, but like uh, Bionic Man and uh, $6 Million Man and Bionic yeah, yeah. Woman, and I was watching Battlestar Galactic. So my I was still watching the sci-fi stuff. I wasn't oh. a sitcom. 
sitcom girl. Yeah. So I was watching Buck Rogers. So, and again, I realized that those don't overlap. Yeah, they came a little but earlier. I know they were earlier, but but I was watching sci-fi stuff yeah. and, and not sitcoms. So so the the big nerd that you are, which we will also discuss, uh, you were already starting in on that at a very young Absolutely. age. Absolutely. I was but, already in genre shows. Yeah, and that's our generation. We were yeah. absorbing all that stuff, and you were gravitating toward that. I was gravitating to all the girl shows <laughs> that we later discovered huh. are the gay shows. Uh, well, uh, Go you know, figure. Uh, what a thunk. But yes. So let's get into this. The oh, episode oh begins, boy. as all episodes do, with a lot of fuss and hullabaloo and activity. <laughs> bustle, bustle, bustle. Exactly. How about peas and carrots, peas and carrots. And we start with what is a class that I don't know what the fuck the class is. <laughs> right. I'm not sure in which class there were, uh, you would have a family tree exercise. I'm going to guess that it's either social studies or humanities, which were okay. often kind of combined yeah. at the time. And now I don't think either of those classes exist in schools. Exactly. Nor, uh, nor do math or reading or <laughs> handwriting. Or empirical thinking. Um, <laughs> but, you know, because it... Yeah, that's a good question as what to class what class it would have been. But I feel like maybe this was a way to lead into... Uh, I I honestly thought maybe it was social studies because it would be like, oh, your parents came from here and let's talk about the art and culture of this place for, yeah. you know, or the political implications. Yeah. Uh, although I'm going to, I'm going to jump in perhaps early in your synopsis because what I found hysterical, if we are going with my social studies or humanities uh-huh. theory, is that... Tootie starts with her family tree, yeah. and she's like, "These are my grandparents." My great grandparents. Oh, great! Oh, it's great. She I says, great. I, I believe she's yes. Yeah, these are my great, great grandparents. grandparents. So let's go eighty years prior to allow for generations. Yeah. So these are nineteen turn these of the century, Africa, turn of the century African American family. Yes. They're uh, all right. Great. Uh, and we leave it there, and then the white girl from Kansas goes, my family had a lot of hardships. <laughs> yes. Like, well, I guess we're glossing over a major part of American uh, uh, yeah. history here. And, and, you know, Tootie also points to the people who are her great-grandparents, and there are other people generationally right. prior to them. And I'm like going, that is a very lucky girl to be a... An African American female who, who, can, who trace can trace her, her roots family back. back through uh, the days when there's yes. a big, big gap. <laughs> but good news, we're not going to talk about that because we aren't going to be that socially relevant no. with Mrs. Garrett at all. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and the other thing is, it could have been a biology class because of talking about oh. eye color, hair color, eye color, okay. dominant and recessive traits. Right. I remember covering that, but... With never in, using those terms. Yeah. <laughs> so. But the deal is, um, it is it is this weird class. It is uh, a weird class also because Mr. Bradley is teaching it. Suddenly, our headmaster, as we have seen earlier in the season, is a teacher. And it's like, what the fuck is your job? Apparently, the Eastman School had some hard times, yeah. and they had to let someone go. It is. And not yeah. to correct you, it's Eastland. Eastland. Okay. Eastland. See, told you. I never watched the damn thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Eastman Kodak is the... Oh, thank you. Uh, Eastman work. Kodak. Oh, you know why? Because we were talking about Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Linda Eastman. Ah, there <laughs> it is. Nice. So. Um, but yeah, so we've run into this before where it's like Mr. Bradley is the headmaster, but then suddenly he becomes a teacher. 
and and will continue to explore the boundaries that he does not have uh, throughout <laughs> as we get later into the episode. But yeah, so the girls are talking about a family tree um, uh, project that was due. So they're holding up their poster boards with their trees and their mm-hmm. family photos cut out. Um, it's also one of the uh, many classes at Eastland that is offered to 12-year-old Tootie, 13-year-old Natalie, <laughs> 16 and 17-year-old Blair and Nancy. Right. It's like the Little House on the Prairie school where... Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We and, apparently don't have enough girls to make one full class of any year. Yeah, and there were no extras. I believe this class was just the girls, the it, seven correct. girls from the dorm. We have seen other classes where they've put other extras. Oh, they extras. did have filler girls. So we do know that in the uh, parents' night. We do know that there are uh, multiple. We, there are more girls at Eastland than this. But right. But many times... It's easy. It, they clearly is forgot. Is this like a uh, Gryffindor-Slytherin situation where those <laughs> girls have been <laughs> sorted into the dorm, so that is why they know each other? Because why would Tootie be in the dorm with the older mm-hmm. girls? Because they can't afford another set. Because uh, they no, can't I'm afford... uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I was but just like, oh, are to... there... Are there four four groups of girls, or it's like, uh, you know, like Slytherin way to bring it back to the nerd culture, Megan? Yeah, absolutely, I don't understand uh-huh. boarding schools unless we're talking about British ones. <laughs> <laughs> but the deal is, we have Blair and Sue Ann who have been consistent uh, frenemies throughout the season. Have, have they been frenemies or just enemies? enemies. Um, there there are episodes where they have. Spo- the, the fact that they continue, the sparring has been ongoing. Okay. And only once did it escalate to the point of them really getting it going into it. Okay. All right. So, That's fair then. And, and we do have a point where Blair says, you know, will you cover and sign me in early from oh, curfew? All right. So there is a frenemy relationship, and they have very clearly locked in now to, oh, Blair's the city girl, Sue Ann's the country girl. We have found our Oscar and Felix. Gotcha. Um, so we have some sparring on that part. And Blair is telling her family tree via fashion. So she's got a 1950s outfit hanging. Mm-hmm. And okay, so your your dress, this dress mated with a suit and made another dress. Okay, and- but uh, yes, I, I, I agree. That has nothing to do. But considering the girl doesn't have the best home life, she probably does. I mean, yes, she, uh, as we will discuss, yeah. uh, she is going to uh, utilize her parents' divorce, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But, but clearly she probably doesn't want to get into family. Oh, I because, never of that. Because her home life is broken. Well. I mean, look, she's doted on and spoiled, yeah. but she doesn't have an emotional anchor. So, I mean, I realize I'm putting way too much into this. You are, but Uh, it's, it is interesting. But I would find that very easy to defend that she would just be like, I only want to talk about the history of my family's business, which is through fashion, as opposed to, I don't want to talk about how, oh, my dad's parents were also awful. And he, you know, maybe they didn't divorce, but my Hmm. dad's dad also slept around and my mom's mom was a debutante and didn't really contribute much to the world. Like, I feel like there's a really good character case to be made that that she doesn't want to go back into her family tree, not because they weren't prominent people, but because emotionally there's nothing there for her. I never thought of that. We know that Blair and her mother do interact and the mother does come on the show uh, a few times, like a half a dozen times. We meet Monica. Um, 
and we know the father, of course, the father is the money. That's where right. That's the money it but... comes from. But I never even occurred to me. But um, let's put aside Blair's <laughs> potential trauma and <laughs> angst over her family because um, we get to the po- oh. So uh, the the plot device is the rest of this is coming from my father's fashion. Yes. Factory, and we never knew that Warner was fashion. That's new information. Okay, we just knew that her father was rich, and therefore some oh form my of mogul. All right, I'm going to go into full blown stereotype right do here. It, do Bear it. with me. Uh, dad and mom are divorced, and dad is a fashion designer oh, in the eighties. Are you implying? I'm wondering <gasps> if that's where the divorce came from, Shut and not that didn't occur to me until just now. I. Ha, I is there anything remember. to support we, this? Do we ever meet Dad? Do we? I don't. Does I, Dad have an assistant? I don't know. Uh, uh, an associate named Benji, perhaps. I'm just saying that I, <laughs> it didn't until you said wow. this was new information that Dad's a fashion wow. mogul. This is I. I can't <laughs> imagine we have not met Blair's dad, and I, I can't. I can't remember. Clearly, I feel like we and, have to. And, you know, we've got the whole pageant thing going on in there, which could be how oh. mom and dad met. Maybe it, was a mar- maybe it wasn't a, a bad breakup at all. Maybe it was okay. just a... To everyone listening <laughs> to this podcast, invent a time machine so Megan Maroney can go back in time and rewrite this entire series <laughs> with a full Facts of Life cinematic universe. You see, this is your nerd culture backstory I'm st- universe... <laughs> Filling in. I realize I'm adding way too many layers to this, <laughs> but it. but I'm like, oh, he's a fashion designer, and it, again, that is horrible stereotyping. But we are talking about an '80s sitcom, yeah, so, so stereotyping were, is going to happen. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so we know that the package, uh, some sort of something, is coming from yes. Dad's fashion factory, and it better arrive today, yeah. says the headmaster teacher. So that Slash. Her- Humanities guy, slash social studies guy. slash biology. He doesn't even really work there. He just tells everybody he does. <laughs> He's just the creepy dude. <laughs> Nobody knows. There's more evidence to support him being a creepy dude than him being a teacher. You way. have no idea. In the whole series, in the whole season, and and you know he's gone after these first fifteen episodes. Oh no, I didn't know that, but I yeah. can see why. Yeah, <laughs> um, but then we get to Natalie. Natalie, you've been awfully quiet. Where is your project? And Natalie says. I lost it. And he's like, lost it? But you knew it was due today. And she retorts with... Give me an F then. Yeah, you could (laughs) fail. Give me me an F. I think this was a stupid project anyway, Natalie. And a stupid class. And a stupid class. (laughs) And and we're like, yeah, we're with you there, girl, because we don't know what the fuck it is either. Um, So just at that moment, who comes in to save the day? Everyone on this show is invited to do their terrible Mrs. Garrett impression to join me with mine. FYI. Okay. And I've had... You're my first female guest, by the oh, way. Oh, well, there's a lot of pressure then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, if you care to, go right ahead. There's oh, no girls, shame. I hate to come in now, but <laughs> Natalie, you left your project and it was due today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if I... If I put clap tracks in, I would put one in right there. That impression was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my entire life, literally. Alex, oh, you were talking about how you don't know, you didn't watch the show, but you know the show. Right. Alex Morozik sat here and said, I have never seen an episode, but I do a Mrs. Garrett impression. It's like, that shows the lasting 
the, the cultural significance of this show. It's it is pervasive. unignorable. It is unignorable. I will unignorable. absolutely give you that. Yes. Um, and that's why I'm so happy to be doing this <laughs> podcast and enjoying it again with friends. Um, so Mrs. Garrett shows up and... Uh, my oh, and she's so intrigued. Now, mind if I stay and batting her eyes at Mister Bradley, because we need her in this scene because right. ain't going nowhere. Right. And then somebody um, comments. I think uh, one of the kids says, "Hey, just out of the blue, hey Natalie, you don't look like either of your parents." And then someone says, "Yeah, both of your parents have red hair." <laughs> All of the photographs. On are this, black and are black white. and white. <laughs> the, Mr. Bradley? That's Mr. The, Bradley. Yeah, he's the one who's like, oh, your parents both have brown eyes and you have blue, or vice versa. Right, yeah. And and it's like, that's a black and white photo. It's a black and white picture. <laughs> and um, by the way, we later meet Natalie's father in a, in a future season, and he is not a redhead. It's played by Norman Jewison, the one that was, uh, <laughs> he played Joe Atkinson in the later seasons of Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. The, the, the right. General Blankenship yes, was 1940s. Yes. He's the yes. analog to General Blankenship. And he plays the dad, and he's like, he ain't no ginger. But anyhow, they make these <laughs> observations, and the girls start rolling with it. <laughs> well, maybe someone did the old switcheroo when you were born. <laughs> and Molly's like, yeah, maybe they played musical babies at the hospital. <laughs> we're all laughing. Even though Natalie is clearly upset, was upset before <laughs> Mrs. Garrett came in, let's fucking chide her. Well, that is the herd instinct of children to just pick on the weaker. They're horrible. They really they are. They are. But Natalie comes right back and she to to Mindy Cohn's credit for her inexperience mm-hmm. as a performer this episode is asking a lot of her and I sure. think she yeah, she for the most part she she's fine. gets up to it this is we're episode 10 this is the 10th time she's been in front of a TV camera so <laughs> uh you know compared to your you know your Kim Fields your Tooties right. who started out when they were 4 um, but she does really well, and she comes in and lashes back and says, Stop it, that's mean. Don't you understand? And then she drops the bomb of all bombs. <sighs> Say it with me, Megan. I'm, I'm adopted! Yes! <gasps> 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 Running out of the room! <laughs> wow. And I will point out that at that point... <laughs> Um, and then the girls react, and Mrs. Garrett, of course, goes after her, and the girls all look at each other like, what? And Cindy actually says out loud, adopted. adopted. And what did you comment, Megan? <gasps> AIDS! <laughs> I'm, that is unkind. <laughs> but, but, it's, but her reaction yes. was as if... Yes. That was the worst possible thing that could have happened in the it, 80s. Exactly. And it's, <laughs> oh my God, it is so bizarre. Um, uh, I'm putting the disclaimer in that uh, in no way is that a laughing matter. No, no. <laughs> Please edit we that know out, that. No, we, if, <laughs> so. if anyone listening here doesn't know, inappropriate humor is going okay. to come into play and that right. we don't mean whatever's. <laughs> I'm just claiming because I said it the second time yeah. and I was like, that's inappropriate, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely it is. And that's why we say it. Um, so then we move on into the bedroom. We're in Natalie's bedroom. And Mrs. Garrett catches up to her. 
And Mrs. Garrett clearly... Mrs. Garrett can't sprint any more than, <laughs> any more than Natalie can. Natalie's uh, already been pacing, and Mrs. Garrett shows up like some time has passed. Right. Not, not a... <laughs> <laughs> but she comes in. She is the handrail up the stairs. God bless her. And um, so she says... Natalie, one of the first things she says, Natalie, she's comforting her. Mm-hmm. Like, she knows she's upset, and she's certainly being empathetic. But she says, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell us you were adopted? Right, as if this is what you lead with. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, girls, uh, this is my first day of school. Just want everyone to know I am not biologically related to my parents. I'm what they call adopted. Adopted. I might be. All of you strangers should know day one. Yeah. I just beyond whatever. Also, like it's that big a deal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we'll, mm-hmm. we will absolutely get into that in our, our personal experiences. Um, so she's like, well, you know, it doesn't, Natalie says something to the effect of that doesn't change how I feel. And Mrs. Garrett says, well, how do you feel? A lovely moment. Yeah. Among very few. This is a, <laughs> oh, I'm, I didn't say at the beginning, this is one of the worst of the oh, whole season. It, okay. it really is. All right. Good to yeah. know. Um, and uh, I saved it just for you. Um, but she does <laughs> say she wants, I want to find my mother. Like this declaration. Right. I want to find my And Mrs. Garrett is like, whoa, wait a minute. First, you're telling us you're adopted. And now you want to find your, it's like, you know, what's next? You're going to join a cult and start, <laughs> you know, buzzing your hair off and listening to punk music. And well, it depends on who her mother is. Yeah, I true. Suppose. Very true. Um, so uh, Mrs. Garrett is kind of like, whoa, put the brakes on. And that's not a bad, that's not bad advice to say, you know, whoa. Chill. Or, you know, I want to find my mother. It's like, yeah, and you absolutely can. That is an option that is available to you. Maybe not right now. Yeah, um, at 13, it'll be like, cool your jets. You got some time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not saying you need to feel good about it. Yeah. But um, uh, so then the girls come in. So Mrs. Garrett is like, cool your jets. And then the girls come in and in their way, try to comfort her. But we also... You know, we're also middle-aged former vaudevillian writers, and we have to end. We have to make sure this is still a comedy. So the girls come in, and once again, Natalie, why didn't you tell us you were adopted? This is information you clearly should have divulged to us from you the day. You owe us all your secrets. Exactly. We are your tribe. Uh, and Tootie is like, yeah, you should have told me. Um, because they're they're the closest. That's, True. That That's, bond that is established been, and continued played, throughout yes. the series. And Tootie says, you should have told me. I could have been insulting you when I told a Polish joke. Wop, wop, wah. Yeah. Uh, in the writer's room, they were like, who should we give that? Yeah. Ah, uh, there it is. And at one point, um, you made a comment uh, before. It has something about... It was something about Tootie saying something about... Oh, oh, Natalie says, I feel different. Maybe it's later in the episode. And Tootie says... Yeah, this comes in later. It's where they're talking about feeling different. And Tootie chimes in, yeah, sometimes I feel different. And we're like... "Um, Uh, Yeah. uh. To to the series credit, though, they really didn't bring... They didn't bring in Tootie's race. That was... Which is... Which is... 
good and bad. Yeah. Um, it is indicative of the time. And uh, yeah. so it's it's both progressive and regressive. Um, <laughs> it's pro-regressive. It, it, a new exactly, word reinvented. Because it's like they have this chance to actually... Well, they did. A couple uh, of did episodes. They later? Okay. A couple of episodes they do. But it's it's like a handful. Okay. And, you know, like you say, it is regressive because, you know, to ignore... Right. Uh, ignore that, but progressive but gr- in that, that she is a little girl just like any of these and, others. And they don't treat her. And, and so it's 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 that mix. That, it's, a, yeah. it's a total mix. Uh, no, I totally yeah. hear you. Anyway, sorry about the um, tangent. But that's that's coming in. That's coming. I, I was shooting way, way, way ahead. Yeah. Um, but the deal is um, she's like, oh, oh, Blair says, I saw on the Dinosaur Show, good 70s reference. <laughs> yeah, it is. I remember the Dinosaur yeah, Show. Um, she saw a story about a woman who had looked for her mother for 20 years, but the records were sealed and she had no luck. Then Molly chimes in, yeah, and she ended up finding her and she was on Skid Row. <laughs> um, but it's it, the problem is that records are sealed and they couldn't access them. And Blair mm-hmm. suddenly is like, wait a minute. I've got connections. Mm-hmm. I can help. And uh, we quickly talked about how damn good Lisa Welchel is. I even wrote down in my in my little notes as I was watching it, because again, I haven't seen, it's been 30 years yeah. since I have seen a Facts of Life yep. uh, True. episode. Yep. Yep. Lisa Welchel is actually working it. I'm impressed. You understand. As an adult, I'm like... She, there's stuff going on. There's stuff behind the eyes. She is sussing things out. She is making great choices. Yes. And I'm, and she's nailing her jokes. And I'm like, I apologize for all the times I kind of dismissed you, Lisa Welchel. Yeah. You're doing and, some great work. And I wish she had Especially done, as young as she was. Uh, yeah. She's like 16, maybe 17 yeah. at this point. She's, I mean, and experienced. I mean, she started yeah. young, but it's like, particularly the, the moment that is the spurred this on was when she says, I've got connections and I can help. She kneels down mm-hmm. next to Natalie and really seriously... Mm-hmm. Like drops the smile and the the chipper the whatever. Yeah. She yeah, she seriously is says to her, Do you really want to find your mother? It's right. a it's a very you know, if they let it linger any longer, it's an intense moment yeah. that she fucking owns. Yeah. As far as you know, in Lisa Welchel's brain land, it's one of those, no, I really need to know that I have her buy-in before mm-hmm. I do this because it does come in later in the episode that Blair is not working in a vacuum. Blair is not, I'm going to do this whether you want me to or not. Right, right. And uh, so props to we, Matthew and I were singing the, singing the was, praises of her since episode one. And I, I will never stop. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And she looks fan fucking tastic right now. She's so beautiful. Yeah. She has aged. She doesn't look like she's aged and yet she looks older, but she's still just good for her. Gorgeous. I mean, well done. Damn. Somebody put her in something. Cast her. Why hasn't she done Hallmark movies? Uh, she should. She should. She should totally do a Hallmark movie. She should movie. be the beautiful, supportive mom of, aunt yeah. of, whatever. Yeah. She should yeah. be in them. Lisa, I, you need to be working because yeah. you're fantastic and you're beautiful. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, so Sue Ann, once again, the Blair and Sue Ann, who often act as the angel and devil on the shoulders. Okay. Uh, Sue Ann 
comes in with, Blair, you shouldn't butt in. This, then, and that. And, you know, partially being that just because you're rich and you can pull strings, that <laughs> right. doesn't mean you should, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that's my best Sue Ann impression, by the way. That's um, about as good as her Sue Ann impression. And <laughs> she's beautiful. Well, and she stands really close to Blair. Well, maybe Sue Ann's got. But, no, Cindy's feelings. the one who's strange in the pilot. <laughs> Cindy's the one. You need to go back and watch these girls. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> All right, continue. <laughs> Sorry. But the uh, yeah, so they're standing really close, and again, there's probably some creepy dude there. It's their regular director. The guy who oh, directed boy. this would go on to direct the majority of the episodes for the uh, the next uh, eight seasons. <laughs> so it's not some random creepy dude trying to place the girls a little closer together, you know? Uh-huh. And they're wearing those shorts. You commented. I no, I can't. Look, all right. I'm uh, Tangent two. Tangent, um, bring these, it. These girls are not 18 years old. They have not graduated yet. And even if they were 18, the sexualization of what yes. they do to these girls yes. on this show, both in their comments, like, uh, uh, Mr. Bradley says the thing in yeah. Latin. Are you in trouble? Uh, well, he asks, are you in trouble to Blair? And I'm like, wait, trouble of what? Are you asking if she's knocked up? Yeah. And then uh, he says that thing in Latin in the class in the very beginning. And Tootie's like, that sounds dirty. Yeah. And I'm like, you are you dirty. Yes, exactly. And, 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 and then they've got Sue Ann and Nancy, who are both beautiful young women with legs for days in these tiny, tiny shorts. Short, and I'm like, short, shorts. You are sexualizing children, not just in the physicality, but what you are having them say and discuss. And then later in the episode, I... I am not, I, wow, just yeah. watching it as a grown folk, I'm like, what wow. did you do to these girls? Yes, children. 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 Anyway. And uh, frequently, another running thing, like you talked about, Nancy, her being on the phone with Roger. There's <gasps> always some flirtation there with, you know, oh, in one episode, I think it's in a future episode, they break into a fight, and she's two of the girls fight and she's on the phone describing. Can you imagine? They were just tumbling all over each other and arms and legs everywhere and what do you mean that sounds kind of hot? And so, you know, like, like this kid is probably 17 or maybe 18, right. but talking sexually to a 16 or 17 year old yes. girl. And here's wrong. the thing. It's not that I don't think teenagers have sex. I know empirically that they yes. do. But for the writers to impose mm-hmm. that sexuality on the, <laughs> I felt really creeped out by it. No, you are so right. And, um, it's literally one of those, oh, ABC, we've got Suzanne Summers in tiny short shorts and no bra right. and jiggling around. We've got a show with a bunch of girls. We could do that. Th-. There was no <laughs> thought of appropriate. Oh, boy. Or, yeah. Yeah. The, oh, the, the, the hashtag Me Too moments that we could catalog Ooh. from season one. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, it's pretty bad. Anyhow, um, Blair says, Natalie wants me to help her and I'm going to help her. Yes. End of scene in the bedroom. We now go outside the dorm, outside the front door, to Mr. Bradley and Mrs. Garrett. Yet another um, (laughs) moment where Mrs. Garrett, so often, as the woman who always has the wisdom, she is always the person who sets things right Mm -hmm. and uh, advises the girls sensibly and sanely, A crisis happens, and she goes to Mr. fucking Bradley, who is an asshole, a misogynist, a buffoon. I don't know if he's a teacher or a headmaster, but he's incompetent. And 
um, earlier on, he was positioned as the, the newer, looser, free sort of a headmaster okay. with this tight, tightly wound female teacher to be his foil. Oh. They let the teacher go, and quickly they were like, okay, Mrs. Garrett is now... The, the, full, the loose one. The loose one, the, you know, the sensible one, and we have to make him into right. the asshole. Well, once they and, fired the uptight teacher, he was worried about his job, so he probably had to knuckle down. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, in context of show, in not context, backstage. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but, I'm, I'm just writing, I'm going to keep writing my fan fiction that explains all of these choices. Uh, <laughs> there is not enough Facts of Life fan fiction. I suspect that... Any facts of life fan fiction is enough <laughs> facts of life fan fiction. <laughs> Megan would even argue no facts of life fan fiction is enough facts of life Oh, fan no, fiction. said Joe as she dropped her wrench. Blair was like, were you looking for this? Yes. And then they had sex. And then that's, their, that's their the hands facts clutched of life. <laughs> tightly to the hard, turgid metal. Um, so, wow, we, we have a side job right here. Mm-hmm. If this podcast doesn't make me a million dollars, now I know what will. will. Oh, yeah. no. Copyrighted. I said it first right here. Um, <laughs> Mr. Bradley is trying to give Mrs. Garrett a book on adoption. Give Natalie this book and let her read it. That's the solution. A book called Creative Adoption what? that yeah. I wrote down. What, what does Did, that even what? mean? What? <laughs> creative Adoption is like, I took a baby from the single rider's line and now it's mine. <laughs> yes. I was creating. Create Exactly. Was, what? <laughs> Creative adoption. I had a baby at the hospital, went home with two of them. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, and I, I was agonizing over what that title what that, meant. I, we, please, <laughs> someone familiar with the Dewey Decimal System, find that book for us. I, I bet it's fictional. Um, so uh, Mr. Bradley had made a, um earlier Latin yes. comment that you said Tootie talked about. Well, and once again, he's like, Natalie is upset because her link to her past has been interrupted. Linkus interruptus. <laughs> And Mrs. Garrett's response, I'd like to link us, your interruptus. Cricket, 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 cricket. <laughs> People have argued, this show has a terrible laugh track. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> if, if there's a laugh track, that means there are laughs. Right. Um, but uh, she's saying, Mrs. Garrett smartly saying, these painful feelings won't go away. Um, oh, oh. And she's saying, you think it's then these feelings won't just go away. And she does this big over the head gesture. She really does gesture. do she, some hand stuff. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, Charlotte, you might want to dial that back a couple of notches. <laughs> she's like, look at my hands. Don't listen to the writing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the phone rings. And Mr. Bradley, who has, as usual, just kind of been chilling out in the dorm where teenage girls live, <laughs> answers the fucking phone. That's a prime. I mean, yeah, it's the school's property. Right. But who the fuck would be calling that you would need to answer the phone or screen the call? Well, I mean, he's right next to it. Two girls scream. I got it, Blair. Oh, Because right. she's expecting okay. the judge. You got it. You and Nancy, because she's expecting a call from okay. her perv boyfriend, Fair. Roger. Fair. Whom they refer to as a simp more than once. Oh, all right. If you're wondering whether the writers are middle aged children <laughs> of vaudeville. Right. Jeez. Um, it did rhyme with wimp, though. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. So this is when Blair makes first contact with this judge that her mother has been dating. And somehow this magical word judge um, <laughs> affords him and endows him with the power to somehow access adoption records, even legally sealed ones. Right. And due to the fact that he is so fucking hard for Blair's mother... 
Uh that Blair could call him directly, not say, mom, can your boyfriend boyfriend pull me a string? She calls him directly. And, um, and she calls and says, Hey, can you do this thing? And he's like, "Uh, hell yeah. I'm boning your mom. It's like, (laughs) well, well, yeah. It's it's disturbing uh, and they completely do, illogical. They do try to hand wave it a little later with he has people that owe him favors in the <laughs> records department, <laughs> yeah. and and someone does go, isn't that illegal? And somebody goes, there's loopholes. There's loopholes. So it's almost like in the writers' room, people were like, I don't think it's supposed to be that easy. Yeah. And they were like, well, we'll throw a couple more lines at <laughs> it there, and hope yeah. that it goes away. That are nebulously, <laughs> unspecifically specific, <laughs> right? To kind of cover our ass, yeah. Um, so we have this, so Blair is, um, has made contact with the judge and the things are underway. Um, then we go back up to the bedroom. Natalie is saying, wow, what will I say to my birth mother? What will I tell my parents? And it's like, yeah, because this might be a conversation (laughs) you may want to have with your parents. Right. Just saying. Mrs. Garrett comes in. She almost brings in the book. She throws it out in the hallway with a thud. Right. And someone says, what was that noise? And she says, ah, I must have dropped a book. <laughs> cricket, cricket, right. cricket, cricket. Right. Not funny. Um, Later, uh, <laughs> off camera. <laughs> Again, I'm creative fan fiction. Uh-huh. Tootie goes, oh, hey, I found a book on creative adoption. <laughs> Here you go, Natalie. <laughs> Nobody ever picks up the book that she threw. The oh, girls find it later and bring it to her. Anyway. My God. Now, Tootie <laughs> reads it, and she never forgets it, and she grows up to steal a baby. Uh, creative That's, adoption. That could be what it is. It was a living single episode, yeah. I think. Um, Mrs. Garrett does smartly say, you don't have to make this decision today. Good. That's a good line in the episode. Mm -hmm. And then Blair comes in. Well, it's official. I've made the call. Natalie, Mm -hmm. the judge is calling in an hour with the name of your mother. Right. Cut to, um, a frequent facts of life theme, the uncomfortable reaction shot before they go to commercial. (laughs) Sure. Mrs. Garrett has two of them under her belt that are beyond Bad. <laughs> this it. is Natalie. This one isn't as bad as Charlotte Ray's for okay. Natalie doing her like, oh, <laughs> right face. It's it's okay. It's all fine and dandy. <laughs> um, so then this is the cliffhanger. Yes. And we go yes. to commercial. This is the point where I do a little getting to know you with oh, my guest. All right. And um, I ask you for just the quick mctour of your life as far as where were you born, where were you raised, where did you study, and what brought you to Central Florida to become a professional actress? Um, I was uh, born in Portland, Maine. Uh, My parents were in the military, so uh, they were stationed in New England. And um, we, my dad retired from the Navy, and we came to Central Florida when I was about Two. So I grew up in Brevard County, uh, which is uh, Cocoa and Titusville and uh, Melbourne area, because mm-hmm. I lived in all three of those places in my youth. And I moved to Orlando in 1996 um, and have used that as the hub of my theatrical mm-hmm. career. And... Um, and I didn't study anywhere. I got an AA in Get Me the Hell Out of Here. Oh, um, me too. I, and... I have a BA in that. And, I totally and, and do. And get me yeah. the hell out of here. And I was already doing 
plays for pay at that point. So I didn't want to stay in college anymore. And so um, I really wish I knew how to read music, but I have uh, several years on my resume of professional things instead of having gone to college. Yeah. The end. And that's a, a beautiful thing. And there are a few of us who are what we call, I've heard you say, you're an untrained singer. You'll call yourself, you say, yeah, I'm an untrained I am singer. remarkably untrained, yes. And yet, and yet you are but, considered one of the musical theater powerhouses in Central Florida. People hire me to sing, so I'm not going to stop them. Yeah, exactly. They ask me, and they ask me again after I do the first time. Right. And I'm, I'm the same way. Have you experienced... Uh, a talkback. There are some theaters that do talkbacks, and mm-hmm. sometimes people say, "Where did you all go to school? Where did you all train?" Well, I always, I, I always try to remind, especially in the case of if it's uh, a talkback with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always say, and it is true. I wish I had technique. Uh, uh, you know, from from training, but there are are many paths to performance, mm-hmm. um, and and. You know, none of none of them are wrong, and none of them are completely right. It's it's yeah. just like methods of acting that it, one size does not fit all. True, and the fact that acting of all professions out there, acting is a you learn by doing, I, by I, having an open mind, by absorbing. Right. For me, my life has worked out better that I had four more years of. Uh, shows on my resume yeah. than I would have had of the four years in school. I yeah. that that's my path. It's I, not everyone's. <laughs> I, I I totally um, uh, concur that that is um, that is as legitimate a path as someone I agree. who has a master's of fine arts in performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the piece of paper to go with it, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the practical experience. Right. That they then have to begin starting to accumulate. You have to jumpstart in different ways. Yeah. Uh, yes. And this did not prevent you from being one of the most in-demand uh, <laughs> performers as far as in regional theaters, in regional musical theater. You got to Broadway, girl. I, I did. From you au- were in, from auditioning in Orlando. Yeah. So every every path is different. Yeah. <laughs> so. But you were in Mamma Mia on Broadway. You mm-hmm. were in the ensemble and you were understudy I for... I understudied all three dynamos. That is... So, yeah. Uh, exactly. And then um, you, you do Broadway, but you come back to Central Florida because your career moves on. They have they have big gulps here, and you can drive your car. Yeah, and those are two things I missed very much in New York. <laughs> so you said, "Fuck so, you, Broadway." Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but then, um, and most recently, you were in what was the Hallmark movie you were just in on the cruise ship? <laughs> Love it, see. Love that, it, see. That Lisa Welchel should be in Hallmark. Movies. Lisa Welchel should have been your part. I mean, uh, oh, well, I mean. <laughs> Uh, not my part. She was too no. hard edged. Lisa's beautifully soft. Yeah. Yes. So, um, but, but yeah. I, it's um, I because there is some film work, not as much film work in Florida as we wish. Right. Most of it's in Atlanta, but a lot. Well of, done, Atlanta. <laughs> well done, Atlanta. A lot of Central Floridians do go up there and do work, and it is so weird to be just flipping channels and be <laughs> like, "Oh, I'm watching Stranger Things," and "Oh, I know that guard." <laughs> right. Oh, I know that woman on the right. bus. Exactly. And it's it Southeast happens. is happening. Yeah, it's true. If we could, if we could pass our tax breaks for the film companies, we'd get more work here. Yes, please. But we need different leadership, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's true. Now, the main reason I brought you here, we have to quickly discuss. (laughs) The fact is that you and I 
are both adopted we and are. we have bonded over this yes. over time. And I can't we, believe you didn't tell me when you first met me. David. I know, Megan. You should adopted. <laughs> you should have told me. I should have told you. I might have been making Polish jokes. <laughs> A Canadian joke would have been mine thing. Turns out oh. I'm half Canadian. Can you be half Canadian Can, though? Isn't I am. That, isn't that like America where it's just like, you yeah. can't, you, I mean, well, yes, you're, I yeah I agree. It's English, Dutch, Can, Scotch, French. There we go. By way like, of Canada, Canada isn't a, r- a yeah, race. Yeah, exactly. Or a, Canada is or not a, a DNA type. Exactly, <laughs> so. but but it explains a lot with how excessively fucking polite I am. That does make sense. Um, so I don't know when we ever discovered this about each other. It was at Sleuths. Okay. I know that, and I think it was on a dinner break. It was. I, I feel like I it would have been. I genuinely believe it was at Sleuths on a dinner break. And of course, you and I are, uh, I, forgive me, I have divulged my age, and I, you yeah. and I are close in age by <laughs> two months. Yeah. And I'm like, so wait a minute, Megan. You were born <laughs> where? I was like, in I was Maine? Like, in Maine. And I'm like, on in June, June. <laughs> I said, okay, and I was born in August in Massachusetts. <laughs> Could it Traveling have been? salesman. <laughs> exactly. Tra- <laughs> I was thinking more, uh, you know, a, a traveling pregnant mother with a very long birth. Well, you know. You know, you, you might have been you might have been premature. I could have been later. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't that- think that's how bodies work. But I did like that theory. <laughs> but that theory of th- that point when you're like, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is literally a dream like. What if Megan Maroney was my... As I said, your, your reputation oh, preceded no, you. And I was so thrilled to get to work. It's like, she's my sister! How did that happen? <laughs> well, I have to sell these encyclopedias in Portland <laughs> in June. This, and then I drove to Aug- in August. To uh, had, it, had it been real, it would have been worse and more implausible than a Facts of Life episode from season one. But man, I would we would have written ourselves a script. Have. Oh, we would tour with that. Oh, yeah. We would have, that would <laughs> have been our two-person show. <laughs> um, so more important than that we are adopted. When did you find out and how much of a big deal was it to you? Um, I don't remember ever not knowing that I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, your parents told you every day of every your day life. Every day you are adopted. You are not my daughter. <laughs> um, no, uh, so it wasn't a big deal. Like I actually have a a very hard time processing uh, parents that a, a agonize about when to tell their yes. child. Yes, and B. Uh, 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 and and this does go back to the adopted parents and to uh, young adults who are like, I just found out I was adopted at 18 and my entire life well, is over yeah. because I, I there was it was never a big deal. Um, my family, um, without being glib, I was kind of a replacement baby. My my mom and dad had uh, three biological children of their own. Mm-hmm. My mother had a, a very awful miscarriage. And it was after that that they explored adoption and adopted me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, like I said, I, I treat that a little glibly, but I I was brought because my mother had to have a hysterectomy after that miscarriage. Yeah. And so there weren't going to be any more children. So they were like, well, let's go get one. Yeah, we want a kid. We want a child. And you grew up knowing that you were wanted. And I grew up 
always knowing that I was wanted, always I. knowing that yes. I was chosen. In fact, one of my, and again, I don't remember being told I was adopted, but I remember once my brother uh, nearest in age to me was picking on me horribly and he threw out the, you're not even a real part of this family oh. to me. And I was probably like six or seven and I went crying to my mom and she was like, you go right back there and tell him we got stuck with him. We chose you. Yes. And so yes. it was never... You know, that was the only time I think it was ever lashed out at from mm -hmm. a sibling because that's what siblings do. Yeah. Um, but but it was literally never an issue yeah. at all. And that's, I argue, the right way to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Don't hide it. No. It's only a big deal if you go... We think you're old enough now yeah. to know. Well, that gives a weird adopted it's weight a, onto it that yeah. shouldn't be there. Yeah. And Natalie in this episode says, um, I found out when I was five. It's like, I found out when I was five. Oh, okay. I have an older sister. So it, it came about at some point, I forget. But, you know, it was one of those where... You know, my parents had told her. I don't remember uh, if they told me or if she did. I remember kind of all of it being a thing. And I remember like momentarily going, oh, is that really weird? But oh, but we're okay. a family. Yeah. We're here. We're sitting down. We're eating dinner. I am provided for. Right. And the people in the room with me are happy. That's all a five-year-old cares about. Right. Same with uh, parents who come out to their children. When you have gay parents who okay. figure things out later. The the general rule of thumb is that a five or a six year old, it's like, oh God, they're so young. Like to be talking about my sexuality, it's like right. no 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 no. It's just, you know, daddy has a friend named Hubert now. Yeah. And the five or six year old will say, Is daddy happy? That's the most yeah. important that's the only thing Does Daddy still love me? Is does daddy, daddy still love daddy? me? And is daddy happy? And that's all mm -hmm. that matters to a kid. And so I don't remember when I didn't. It was funny that when I was, okay, so I'm trying to make up a timeline. I should have done this ahead of time. In fifth grade, this is probably around the time I remember a time in school when it came about. And mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, I'm adopted. And all the kids were like, what? I think I had a similar experience. And I, I was didn't like, realize it was yeah. a thing. And they were yeah. like, so... You know, and they were like, so did you live in an orphanage? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they were like, so, you know, how old were you when your parents got you? And I'm like, uh, I was a baby. I have pictures of me. I think right. I was a month. I think I... I think I, I, my parents were on a, a list. Yeah. And uh, and so when my biological mother had me, they were like, we got one. You want it? Yeah, and they were like, yup, yeah, wrap it exactly. up. <laughs> so. one, but it was like, I have pictures. The earliest pictures of me are I was one month old. Okay. And my parent, it was day, they're dated September 14th. Okay. So a month after my birthday. Um, and I never knew. And I remember thinking... Is the they're these guys? They're acting like it's weird. Yeah, this isn't weird, right? And and fortunately, I didn't take it to heart and go, "Oh my God!" If they're thinking this is weird, this must be weird. Thank God, I didn't. I don't know where I had the wherewithal. Maybe they just kind of chilled, or maybe my teacher intervened right. or something. But they, and they were like, "So is your sister really your sister?" Right. And I'm like, right. "Well, we were raised together." But I was like, "But no, biologically, she's not." Right. I'm like fifth. It's like fifth grade, so I would have been like what eleven. Yeah. So it was probably not too far from this. And I remember watching this episode the uh, night it aired in 1980 wow. with my dad. Oh, wow. And the first, when Cindy says, adopted, I remember so distinctly thinking, yeah. 
Right. What, what's Although, the big deal? as we've just discussed, that was the reaction from the kids in our class. Exactly. <laughs> Which is so weird. But that's a testament yeah. to our parents being smart, you know, and yeah. God knows parenting was not a very enlightened uh, avocation necessarily at the yeah. time so that our both of our sets of parents were smart to do that and uh the next obvious question have you made any contact uh with your biological family i have not uh, my parents were always like i think when i was 18 or or whatever you know my my parents gave me uh what what they had because up until that point I had had the certificate of live birth yeah. that had both of my adopted parents on it that mm-hmm. is my birth certificate, um, and they gave me a, a few more records that had the name of my biological mother on on what they had. Oh, your parents had that. Yeah, Ooh. but but it was it was the adoption form. Yeah. It was you know it was that information, and they were like, if you want us to help you find her, we will. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Um, and as I have gotten older, I've always said, and I think I've discussed this with you, I don't actually want to take on another family. No. I don't, I don't want, I, I don't feel like I missed anything. So I don't want cousins and other siblings and other parents. And I don't want anything motivated by guilt either, where they're like, oh, I really want to love you now because I gave you up then. Um, I don't want anything like that. All I want is to know who they are so I can kind of root through their trash (laughs) and see what (laughs) magazines they subscribe to. And I am very different in certain aspects than my biological family and the whole nature versus nurture thing. I'm the only one who's a performer. I'm the only one who is Mm. kind of a nerd. Um, My sense of humor, good or bad, is very much my my father's from growing up with Uh, him. Um, And certainly my whatever morals and ethics I have were a product of raisin. Um, uh, But but there are parts of me that are very different than my family. And I would be curious to see where that comes from. Yeah. But I don't want another emotional tether. Yeah. And then the other thing that's weird, and this is, <laughs> this is so true. There was a period after both of my parents passed that I was like, you know, I'm of an age and, and rumor, rumor had it, what my parents were told by the ad- adoption agency, is that my mother and father... By uh, my biological mother and father, um, that their families used to vacation together, and so when she was like sixteen or seventeen, oh. uh, she got pregnant, and so my mother gave birth young. Is is what the adoption agency okay. told my parents? I don't know if any of that is true. Mm-hmm. So about the time my parents passed, I was like, "All right, well we're." you know, people, people die at 60, people die at 70. And I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I, my time is running out. Mm -hmm. So because we live in this beautiful word world of uh, computers, I entered the name that was on my parents' adoption record into Portland, Maine, and was trying to find out, you know, who is this person, whatever, um, and had a a sort of a hit uh, with a new last name, 
obviously she would have gotten married, etc. Uh, maybe not obviously, but mm-hmm. that's yeah. what I would have presumed. Um, and so I started Googling that name. <laughs> and in Portland, Maine, a woman by that name came up on a video on YouTube. <gasps> oh. And it was... <laughs> And I, this is when I close the door. I'm a horrible person. Um, it was like a cable access religious show. Oh, shit. And the host of the religious show was like, many people think that mental illness is debilitating. But our next guest <laughs> thinks that her mental illness has actually been a blessing from our Lord God. Oh. And no. and a woman by the name of what I had Googled came out with a little spiral-bound notebook and read a poem she had written to Jesus, thanking him for her insanity. And so I was like, you know! Oh! It, now, there oh. is no reason to think for sure that, that it, she didn't look like me. There was no resonance of any kind. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like... But if that's her, Mm-mm. once that door is open, I can't close it. No. And if she is insane and has no one, I will forever feel responsible yes. to take care of her. And I don't want that. No. So that no. I haven't I haven't looked beyond beyond that YouTube video. And, uh, the and, end. And the beauty is it's your life, it's your journey. You are entitled to right. do that. Right. Just as she was entitled to exactly. say, I'm not fit to raise a child and, and give you And my records up. are sealed and main records are pretty sealed. And obviously, I think they have a thing now where you can open them, mm-hmm. uh, that they have changed that recently. I kind of only want the medical records. But again, I feel like if I open that door, I can't close it yeah. again, even if I really want to. Yeah. So I haven't. But I, I do still waffle. Yeah. But again, I want the information and none of the emotional tether. Yeah, I would like, that's what I would like to, the similarities between your mindset and mine are are numerous. The difference is you, you are unique in that you grew up with a family with other biological yeah. kids as yeah. the as the single one out. I had, we were both adopted. Right. We were a nuclear family, oh, daughter, right. son. So we both had... Um, a sense of that of different being different and uh, knowing that and my sister was always into I want to find my family interesting and, and in her teen years yeah fuck you I'm gonna find my right. real mother when I'm 18 right. and, I'm, and I'm gonna sure. ride off in her princess coach and be queen of all I know that my parents are very wealthy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. and uh but my thing is I never really wanted to I never really felt an emotional need or avoid the the emptiness that Natalie discusses here. Right. Never felt that. I didn't either. My sister's family did find her in her 20s, and it has worked out to this day. They were just here for for the holidays. And her experience with reconnecting with them really turned out to be a very positive thing. Right. And she was the one who nudged me and said, look, if you have siblings out there, even if you don't make contact with your parent, it could be you should. And like, like you, your time is David. How, how long you're going to wait? When is, you keep saying someday you're going to be 50 soon. When is your someday? Right. So this is a couple years ago, actually. Massachusetts records are openable. They are not sealed shut. 
based on the date that you're born and I fall into that date. So I was able to acquire a copy of my original birth certificate. Nice. I also had a form that told me the background of my parents without telling their identity. That's great. So I know that I knew that my mother was a nurse. It said she was of English, Dutch, Scotch, French descent. Right, right. Which looking at you, there's no question. Right. (laughs) And then my father, 100% Italian. Must be northern. (laughs) Must be northern. No. Dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes, both of his. And it talked about their parents, too. So what my grandparents. Short short and stocky, dark hair, dark eyes, dark skin. His, (laughs) Like, I have Sicilian grandparents out there somewhere. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Those are the grandparents you want. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) They get shit done. In case you have a little problem with something, you got to get it taken care of. Um, And I I am, for those who don't know what I look like. I am six foot one and extremely pale uh-huh. and extremely Caucasian. Yep. Um, extreme, I should say Caucasian. I am extremely waspy looking. Yes. I look, I was <laughs> in, when I went to London, England, people were walking up to me asking directions. No question. And um, so my thing was I did through, go through the agency. The adoption agency was still around, and they oh. did have a reconnecting division. Okay, mine was through a hospital, so I don't know if I can... Yeah. Yeah. This, um, we'll talk and, about that off yet, but yeah, I'm we curious totally to will, know. Yeah. Um, so she did it. Oh, and by the way, it's called... the this, uh, this branch is called the Home for Little Wanderers. Shut up. Shut up, that's adorable. What? No, it's not. They're little I did not I was I didn't wander off when I was little. Are you, you fucking kidding me? That's adorable. I don't they think have that's... so many lambs and little praying children <laughs> in that room. I'm it's... like it's adorable in in theory. They put you all in little baskets. Uh, no. And just deliver we you did like, not wander like, like oh we found another kid. Like hickory farm sausage. You were <laughs> delivered to these new people with a bow and a blanket and a confused air. And that's what you were. Oh, dear. The little wanderers. They made contact on my birth certificate. Only my mother's name is listed, not my father's. Okay. Yes. And they made contact with her and she politely declined. Okay. She said, I don't really have any desire to. Right. And, and again, like you, you and I are the same. It's like, no, that's why I think we're siblings, Megan. (laughs) Cause I'm just like, cool. You don't want to. I was already ambivalent about it. Yeah. Now I know. That, okay, she knows where to find me. If she changes her mind, she is 75 years old now. It's like, time's a wasting, lady. If you have any any inclination, that's fine. But I did it. And according to the birth certificate, um, she did have a baby before me. Oh. Um, And according to research I have done where I do know who she is, I Mm -hmm. do know where she is, I have her Facebook profile. (gasps) I'm terrified when I check in, I'm going to accidentally hit the friend button. Oh, no. It's just going to be like, who the hell is this? Oh, no. It's like, no, I'm friend, I'm friend, <laughs> fuck, fuck. I take it back, I take it back, I take it back, take it back, take it back. But I do periodically uh, check in with her and uh, just make sure if she's still around. And she as a, she uses Facebook as much as you would expect a 75-year-old sure. Canadian woman to use it. Right. But according to research that a friend did, and I can connect you with this friend. Oh, all right. Uh, Please, yeah. Again, it, we'll do this found off, out And off found air. me this. Yeah. Um, she did not have any children. There huh. are, she does not have any children. And if you look at her Facebook profile, there are pictures of nieces, nephews and stuff. Huh. Pictures of her with her siblings. Right. But there are no pictures of children. I so wonder. I don't believe, other than that one baby that preceded right. me, I maybe have a half sibling out there. Maybe. Right. 
And uh, so that's where I am. And again, n- was not a big deal growing up. Right. It wasn't a big deal. You know, it was kind. It was more interesting and cool to be like, I'm finding shit out. This yeah, is yeah. fascinating. Well, it's but, like a detective story at that point. It, yeah, and but it, it doesn't wasn't, feel. Im- it doesn't. It's it's a giant game of of clue as opposed to having again any emotional there's, resonance. Yeah, it's there's just, no. There were no emotional stakes yeah. whether or not I found it or not. Right. But it. Uh, you know, that's the way it worked out, and that's where my journey lands me sitting here and feeling perfectly fine. Yeah. And my and 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 as you, the uh, do I want to be tethered to a, do I need another family? I don't. I don't. I loved my family like you. Both of my parents have passed on. And my sister still has regular contact with her family, and they're right. awesome. And I'm like, I I don't need for anything. I have no gaps or emotional holes that need filling. Back to this episode, the amount of legalities. Yeah. The, what happened was my bio mother wrote a note back responding to the letter saying, I do not desire okay. to have contact at this time. So I was talking to the agent in the middle, the middle woman. And I said, so you can't tell me anything then, can you? And she's like, nope. And I can't, if she called, she said, I could have schmoozed her and said, could you tell me some medical, whatever? She says, I could have schmoozed her a bit, but she says, she can't even write back. Yeah. She said, she wrote me a letter that she's literally shut the door. Yeah. And legally this agency can no longer contact her on my behalf. That's, that is the law. And, and, Good. And good for that. I yeah. agree. We I'm don't okay know if there's that. some kind of trauma, whether it's as simple as he was the love of my life and he died. Yeah. Or whether there's trauma we don't want to go into uh, yeah. as to why she wants that door shut. Mm-hmm. That's her business. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. So. We are running short on I, time. We are so verbose. And I, that's what I love about us. And that's why I still <laughs> think we're related, Megan. Uh, you know saying. what? I'm... Let's go with that uh, encyclopedia salesman theory. Let's do. I like that. I never thought of that theory. Yeah, I love it right there. Because I know nothing about my dad. Uh-huh. Uh, so let us... But I was actually told... Actually, I'm remembering this now. I was told that my father was Northern Italian. North... What? <laughs> but and I'm Southern. I, think, I, know, I really I think know, I'm but, Northern but Italian. But I was told Northern Italian. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would look at... To look at you, I'd say German. I think there's a lot of... Um, uh, English and Irish when I did the Ancestry.com. Oh, really? Yeah. I am all British Isles, baby. Wow. And weirdly some Turkish. English, Irish, oh, Turkish. Okay, there we, there we Somewhere diverge. Somewhere in there, but Th- There's yeah. where we digress. That's the, um, that's the, uh, I'm exactly what uh, That's the third uncle on your mother's yeah, side that's not there. Anyhow, we can very quickly finish synopsizing Let's this episode. Yeah. Very quickly do so is that we come back and what is happening is Mrs. Garrett is upset at Blair for already setting the gears in motion to find Natalie's mother. Which I did write down. Why is Blair in trouble? She did. Uh, she checked. She checked all the boxes. She, she asked Natalie. Consent. She is not operating in a vacuum. Yes, she so, got something that very few people got in 1980. Consent. Exactly. So I was actually mad that everybody was jumping down Blair's throat when yeah. I'm like, she's being a good friend for once. Yeah. And then to further Blair's dilemma, the packages arrive that have her fashion. Thank goodness. Thank goodness it's there. And they open it up and it's been a mix-up and it's a uh, carton full of lingerie. Yes. That all the girls hold up over their bodies and are all, And not Victoria's Secret lingerie, like really trashy Frederick's lingerie from the 80s. Yeah, bad. All see-through and marabou and really creepy. With lights. With lights. Lights on it. Yeah, it's, uh, and again, 
over-sexualizing these girls. Yeah. Nancy, who claims that she and Roger haven't done anything in an mm. earlier episode, is like, Roger is just going to die when he sees this. <laughs> and they say, yeah, because Mrs. Garrett will kill you. What she says is, when he sees me in this. Yeah. Which is different than sees this. When he sees... She's going to put it yeah, on. Yeah, that's right. Sees me in this. Yeah. You're, oh, no, you're talking yeah. about it. You're right. That's no, way different. I, I, I stand yeah. corrected. Yeah. So then Mrs. Garrett and Mr. Bradley come back in just as the... Um, panty party. Panty, <laughs> panty party is happening. And they're outraged. And... Um, Everything is in a kerfuffle. Then Mrs. Garrett sets everything right with a beautiful poem. <laughs> that she cut out of the paper. That she cut out of the paper and keeps in her bra at all times, just, just in, in case. Just in case one of these children one is of the adopted. Girls- says that she's adopted, <laughs> and then she sets it right. The poem is actually from the Saturday Evening Post. Thank you for knowing, because I knew I'd heard it. Go to the website for this episode of the podcast, and oh, it will be among okay. the extras. My friend Bob in Anaheim, who does research for me out of the kindness right. of his heart, found it. And... Um, and so, and there's a copy of it. He actually right. went on eBay and I'm found the magazine. Pretty sure my mother had that poem. It is. It beautiful. was familiar to me. It's a perfect. It was the perfect. Thank God, someone on the writing staff was old enough to remember. <laughs> right. Because you know, thank God they were in their fifties. So it ends up with. Natalie being reminded that she has a family that loves her. Mm -hmm. And the big thing is that you don't feel empty inside and incomplete because you're adopted. You're 13. Yeah. This is the most beautifully wise moment in the episode. And then the other girls chime in and support, say, I feel weird too. I feel weird. And Tootie, I feel like an outsider sometimes. And we're like, yep. Mm. You're, yeah, duty. because you're always on roller skates. Yeah. Um, no one else so, is on roller skates. Right. So Natalie likes the poem. Even Mr. Bradley, in his buffoonish, assholey way, is moved. And then the phone rings with the big question, will Natalie answer the phone to mm-hmm. acquire the information about her mother? Right. And Megan, tell me, how does the episode end? Well, it doesn't end the way I would have ended it, but it ends with Natalie doing something that is very typical to her character. Uh, ignoring the problem at hand and running upstairs to emotionally eat cake with her friends. Which is why we identify with Natalie <laughs> more than do, anybody absolutely. on this show. See, way I would have ended it, but again, I realize that's not the message they were trying to send. I would have been like, we're all going to go upstairs. Blair, can you get me that information and put it aside for me? Yeah. For when I turn 18. Yeah. And Blair would have totally done that because Blair probably got chewed out from wasting Uh, the judge's time when they never even answered the damn phone. (laughs) You wasted my time. I broke the The law. law for you. (laughs) What the fuck? Because I'm boning your mom. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that ends the episode. And it is, you know, the ending is nice, but boy, the journey to get there was really fucked up. A little rough. A little rough for those of us who have been there. Yeah. Um, So I wish we had had more time to talk. No, there is no apologies. (laughs) I want... I want people to come in and talk. I want to talk less. I want my guests to talk more. I love you. Mission accomplished. I am so happy you were able to make the time and that we were able to coordinate this episode for us. Yay. And now, um, like all other guests from season one, you are invited back to see a good episode in the future. uh, All right. Well, we'll see if we can find something that fits beautifully. Excellent. We're going to go eat Oreos now and talk about- We are Natalie's. What? We're going to go eat Oreos. We're, we are oh Natalie's. We're, We're going to go emotionally eat. <laughs> Forget Sex in the City. Are you a Carrie? Are you a Charlotte? It's, We're a Natalie. We're a Natalie. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. And there it is. That was Megan Maroney, my long-lost twin sister. 
in Crazy David land. I cannot wait to have her back because we were under a time crunch, so we didn't even get into the depths of uh, her nerditude. She does the cons, she does cosplay. Only Megan would introduce the concept of Facts of Life fan fiction. And now that she's brought it up, I think I need that in my life right now, um, immediately. So somebody, please write it, and then please take my money. Uh, Megan's also a super fan of the show Twin Peaks, and you can hear her discussing it in depth with uh, my friend Brett Walden on his podcast, What Am I Missing? Brett was my guest for episode six, so you can hear more from both of my previous guests if you just go to the link that I'm going to be posting on the website, facethefactspod.com. That's where you can find other supplemental content to this show and uh, some audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Now, because we were a little pressed for time, the only thing that I missed that I did want to bring to your attention, um, when we left Mr. Bradley at the end of episode nine in the flash flood, um, he had a broken ankle. And here at the beginning of episode 10, he's fine standing in front of that classroom, teaching the family tree stuff in the class. We don't know what the fuck the class is. So that was a miraculous recovery. Bravo, Mr. Bradley. Um... I wanted to reread the poem because the poem at the end is really beautiful. And if you're listening and you haven't watched the episode, and if you don't plan to watch the episode, I really think you need to hear this. So here it is. The poem was called The Answer, in parentheses, to an adopted child. And the author is Fleur Conklin Heiliger. And it goes like this. Not flesh of my flesh, nor bone of my bone, but still miraculously my own. Never forget, for a single minute, you didn't grow under my heart, but in it. I mean, what's more to be said? Perfect. Just last bits here that I've been kind of following this whole, where are the episodes available? Well, I've found a website that has them. It's a website called Daily Motion. Not really sure what they do. They um, run commercials during the episode, so they're clearly making money off of it. And I'm not really sure about the legality of it, but I'm just going to put my fingers in my ears and I'm going to go la 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 and pretend like it's all okay. And you will notice I've started posting the episodes to the website and to social media every Saturday. So on Saturday, I will direct you to the episode that will be discussed in the upcoming Wednesday podcast. So keep your eyes out, watch for those. And uh, lastly, thanks so much to those of you who've written and given me feedback and told me that you enjoy the show, that it means the world to me, uh, especially if you don't know me. That's really weird and really cool to find strangers interested in this stuff. Slowly starting to show some presence on iTunes. Um, I know I always say rate, review, subscribe, the whole spiel every week. I appreciate it. If you want to take it the next step and actually write a review review in addition to clicking on the stars, I think that helps me, and I generally would just love to hear from you. I want to know everything and anything you're thinking about the show, so go to facethefactspod.com, and you can email from there, or facethefactspod at gmail.com, or just comment and contact me through social media everywhere, the handle facethefactspod. That is all for this week. Join me again next week for another episode of Let's Face the Facts when I'll be watching Season 1, Episode 11, entitled Running with my friend Kevin Kriegel. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. 
And remember, the facts of life are all about you.